Hello again, and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond, and this week I'm by myself. I am flying solo. Berth is off, giving back to the game in all the various ways that she does. Well, this is a slightly quieter week with that gap in between rounds three and four of the Women's Six Nations, but still a huge amount on the podcast. Yes, we speak to England's Red Roses fly half, Katie Daly-McLean, MBE, on another job well done as the Red Roses close in on another Grand Slam, a back-to-back Grand Slam. And with no matches to preview this weekend, we'll speak to England's big cheese, Nikki Ponsford, the RFU's Head of Performance. And as ever, we'll round up all the news from around the world of women's rugby. But first to that news, well, it's big news for us. The WRP, the Women's Rugby Pod, is going live for the very first time. When do you say? The 5th of March. So that's week Thursday. Where? Well, of course, where else would we do it? But the world's most famous rugby pub in London, in Twickenham, the Cabbage Patch. So do join us there. You can grab your tickets at eventbrite.co.uk. It's an eight o'clock start, but do come along early. We've got live music. We've got some really, really special giveaways to give away on the night. And of course, most importantly, the guests that we have. We've got at least three real superstars of the women's game. We announced on our socials and we're just going to drip feed to you over the week who we've got coming. But last night we announced that we have uh, sometimes England captain, always England superstar, lock forward, Abby Scott will be joining us week Thursday. She's got some great banter, done some commentary with her and she's got some really, really good chat and some excellent, really clear thoughts on the game as well. So she will be an absolute superstar. But watch out on our socials to see us announce the rest of those guests. Those details again, Thursday the 5th of March, week Thursday, Cabbage Patch and Twickenham, eventbrite.co.uk, search for Women's Rugby Pod and grab your tickets there. Tickets are only £5, so do come along and join us for what will be, no doubt, a really, really fun evening, full of chat, and let's hopefully Berth can brush up on her banter. Well, other news from around the Oval World, of course. Round three of the Women's Six Nations at the weekend. Wales entertained France at Cardiff Arms Park. And an easy victory, you have to say, for the visitors. France racking up 50 points and Wales unable to trouble the scorers. You have to say, a slightly worrying campaign now for Wales. That's three losses from three after a reasonably hopeful autumn series. Yes, went down to Italy, of course, the first round at home. Then went down 31-12 against Ireland. A very good Ireland performance, of course, in round two. And now shipped 50 points against France. And then the task doesn't get any easier as they travel to the stoop and face England, reigning champions in round four, and then host Scotland in the final round. So looking like a, a fairly poor campaign for Wales in 2020. We will, of course, review the England game with Katie Daly-McLean in a minute. And Italy against Scotland was postponed. It's a jinx competition, isn't it? It feels like for Philip Doyle, Goose's side. We had Storm Chiara, snowstorms rearranged, behind doors games, and now the coronavirus. You have to feel for the Scotland squad. 
No news yet on when that game may be replayed, but it also puts into question that round five game, of course, England due to travel out to Italy. So we await news from the Women's Six Nations Committee. Uh, it's the first time that the GB Extended 7 squad met up last weekend up in Edinburgh, first of three training sessions. Uh, Jasmine Joyce from Wales, Kira Bevan and Hannah Jones were all up there. A few Scots up there as well. Megan Gaffney, Rona Lloyd, Helen Nelson, Chloe Rowley, Hannah Smith, Lisa Thompson uh, and 15 of the England 7 squad. I won't go through them all, but the likes of the old stages, Abby Scott and Heather Fisher amongst some of the younger names as well. I'm Mohan, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. OK, let's crack on with the Six Nations. And England now lead the way after a comprehensive 27-0 victory over previously unbeaten Ireland in Doncaster. And yesterday, Birth caught up with the England fly-half. So I'm delighted to be here with Katie Daly McQueen, MBE, I have to say, and 113 caps. Amazing. And I got to witness you running out for that 113 cap yesterday. How's the body feeling? Yeah, considering I'm getting old, actually, I don't feel too whoa, bad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Gonna... You're not getting old, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to say you are old, right? <laughs> yeah, you know it. Come on. You're, you're experienced. Yeah, that's what I keep saying. Mature. It's yeah. a nice one, isn't it? Yeah, to be fair, the body's not too bad. It'll probably be tomorrow, like two days post the game where it gets me. But you, you do do a, like a, a big recovery session the day after the game, don't you? So Yeah, so the, um, today was a nice one. We ended up doing a nice like yoga, Pilates, meditation, really just like nice, calm, bit of stretching. And then we'll tomorrow we'll do a bit of lifting and we'll be back into like a bit more of a normal training week. And so how was the game then itself? Obviously, sold out at Donny Park, great crowd, um, 27-0 against Ireland. How was how were the halves for you? Yeah, I mean, this is the perk of coming to the north. As a northern girl, I'm a big advocate of getting more up here. <laughs> but yeah, the like, crowd's amazing. It's obviously what we want to play in. But I think probably the game itself was a little bit disappointing, I think, from probably first half was good. We got out the box. We started well, which we knew we were going to have to because Ireland keep the ball very well. I think probably when we look back on the second half, we we probably didn't respect the ball enough. I think we gave it away too cheaply to them. And then when we did give it to them, we couldn't get back. And it, like, all credit to them. They kept the ball. They, like, went through phases. Um, and we had to make we had to make a, a big... A, Big load of tackles, and I think for us it's probably disappointing that we didn't do more with the ball we had. In the second half? Yeah, more so. I think there's, there's, there's times in the first that we were probably a little bit loose, um, but I think when you look at look back at that kind of game, we had a lot more opportunities mm-hmm. to really build on that score than we probably took. I mean, it must be difficult for you guys. Like, you're all professional, and, and no disrespect for, to the other teams. The majority of them are, are amateur. Like how do you how do you guys set your standards when you're playing against people who aren't in the same position as you guys? Yeah, I mean, we, like don't get me wrong, we are extremely lucky that our union funds us in the way we do. Um, like for me, I never thought I'd be a full time athlete, and I think it's really important that we keep driving that standard. I know people keep making massive comp- um, comparisons about well, England are full time, but what do you, what do you expect us not to do it? Just because everybody else can't. So I think firstly, that's that's a massive thing for us that, yeah. that somebody needs to do it. And, I'm very grateful that I've got that opportunity. I think the other thing is we, we've just got to judge ourselves on ourselves and what we know this squad can deliver. And I think, obviously, like you say, 
the other squads that the, some of the girls are going back to work on a, a Sunday night and like you know we've been there and we've done that um, but I think probably when you look at the games you, you can't be oh well just because they're an amateur side doesn't mean that they're not going to turn up and, and put up a fight I think that wouldn't be doing justice or giving any of the sides in the Six Nations any credit I think for us it's just about making sure that we know the standards we want to set and how we want to play and just kind of uh, mark ourselves on those and it's, it's so true like you can't you can't expect somebody to stand still because everybody can't move at the same pace. Um, yeah. So England are doing the right thing by funding and paying their players to, to play and hope we can only hope that it, that kind of happens around the world even more so. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? What, what are the unions and you hope for is that you just don't want that gap to get bigger. Like you say, that the benefit of us being full-time is so many other things than just rugby, it's recovery, it's uh, analysis, it's all those little factors. And what you don't want is England to, to keep moving away and actually because the unions can't fund their women's programme that that gap gets bigger and bigger that it doesn't become competitive. And while we're talking about kind of Six Nations and a bit of the bigger picture, obviously I grew up loving the Six Nations. I'm sure you did. Played in so many. You wouldn't ever want to see it disappear. But do you think there needs to be some changes within the actual format? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, as a player, like you say, we, we grew up in the Five Nations, I think, back in the day. That's how old you, you are. You did. That's how old you are. <laughs> no. Don't bring me into that. Um, so we've seen all those changes. Obviously, Spain were in it at one point, and then the change between Spain and the aligned with the guys. I think, yeah, I think the last thing you want to do is to see the competition disappear. But like we've talked about, it's about keeping it competitive for, for all nations involved. And I think it's it's probably something for people who are far more intelligent than me to really look at the the the, the, how, the system of it and is it about should it be aligned to the guys? Do we want that? How do you make the women's the women's stations as competitive as it can be with the teams you have available to you? Yeah, we want it to be competitive. You want it to be accessible, but you still want the essence of the Six Nations series, yeah. don't you? And what yeah. about, um, so there's been a lot of chat, and I've spoken about it um, in my Times article about the venue changes. Um, great that Donny, um, Doncaster sold out 5,000 people in the house. Brilliant. Um, you go down to Exeter, over 12,000 seater, that's sold out. Like, where, where do we need to be thinking about hosting games? When we can sell out 5,000 and 12,000, do we want to be moving away from maybe the smaller venues? I think it's, it's first of all, I think it's, it's really hard as a player, ultimately, you know this, we want to play in full of, in venues where it's full. The last thing you want to do, and especially for me, don't get me wrong, I love going to Twickenham, home of English rugby, but going there when there's still 12,000 people and it's literally a, a one section of the sand. Yeah. It, it, I'd, I'd much rather play in a ground that's full. That would be my, my personal opinion at the moment. I think it's getting the balance because what you don't want to do is we don't want to go somewhere, so we don't want to say, oh, look, we've sold out 5,000, let's go and try and film. 20,000 and we get eight I think we've we've got we've got to keep we've got to be a bit more patient in terms of I understand what people are saying in terms of you just because you fill something out once and you want to we want to create a culture and a brand around the Red Roses where we're getting our own fans and I think that's probably moving the game around go, like going to Sandy Park is brilliant because you know you're going to get that but I think you're right. We've probably got to find that middle ground between not going somewhere that's got 35,000. Yeah. But we're probably bigger than Bedford, which had three in the autumn. And, and maybe we'll get, we're outgrowing Doncaster. But obviously, the other thing you can see is that there's appetite for rugby in the north. So there's got to be more stadiums that fill that Falcons? gap between... What's how big is Falcons? I think Falcons about between 10 and 12. 
You'd love to play there, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah get me up north. Get me to the real <laughs> north. <laughs> Easy to get in the ear of Nicky Ponson. And <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's even past her very great. It's, it's making sure that... And I think the other thing is we want clubs to want us. So it's about if you're a, a, a good-sized ground and you want to host a women's game, a bit like France do, and about how they bid for their women's games, you know that you're going to have an interest because that area wants women's rugby. Yeah. I think for me that's really important because that's the only way you sell the game. You want everybody involved, like Doncaster have done. They've marketed it so well, and we end up filling the ground. And what about, um, so this week now, you're into a bit of a, it's a fallow week, so there's no game at the weekend. What what do you girls do? Do you go back to home? Do you go club? What's the plan? Yeah, no, so I think maybe this is the downside of being professional. Um, we come <laughs> home. So we came, we'll come home uh, tonight, so that's Monday. We'll have Tuesday, Wednesday at home, um, where we'll either girls will go into their club, or if you're a bit further away from your club, you can train remotely. Then Thursday, Friday, we're back in as England in Loughborough. So we'll do two full days of training. Um, and then we'll come out and have the weekend. So I think that probably actually has it's a downside. It is the perk that we don't we get our weekends protected a little bit more than probably some of the girls at work. So we can train Thursday, Friday, and then we can have Saturday, Sunday with family before we go back in on Tuesday before Wales squad is named. Oh, okay. And how do you find out the team? Uh, so there'll be an extended squad that'll be named first, and that'll be episode the majority of the contracted players and probably every, anybody else that maybe the coaches are interested in are looking at are coming on Tuesday. And then that evening, um, the match day 24 will be named. And it'll be uh, on WhatsApp. Okay, cool. You hopeful? Fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, with that many caps, you could take one off, but I know you how competitive <laughs> you are. You certainly wouldn't want to, especially another home game. Back at the stoop. Now, I'm pretty sure the last time played there was against Wales in the Six Nations. Yeah, I think I made you look really good with a nice little grubber. Yeah, oh yeah. The yeah, you did. And I busted my knee. Uh, thank you for that, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so how excited are you about getting back to the stoop? Um, I mean, for years we did call that like our women's home of rugby and obviously the World Cup final was played there. I mean, how buzzing are you and the team to, to play there? Yeah, I mean, like like, you said, like we've touched on, you've gone from like 5,000 sold out, we're going into a much bigger venue, and I think probably the times we played the Stoop, you look back at World Cup Final uh, 2010 when it was full, and the atmosphere that was that was created there, and I think the guys were saying this week that they sold over 8,000 tickets for it. The last couple of times we've played at the Stoop, I don't think we've got more than four and a half. So for me, that's like, it's huge, isn't it? You know, so England-Wales weekend, the guys are playing across the road at Twickenham, we're a slightly earlier kickoff. So I think I'm like really, really hopeful that there's going to be a lot of noise of open both stands for us. So they're the kind of things that when we're talking about grounds and aspiring to fill things, I think this is a great opportunity for us to really go and say, look, we're coming back into London. The women's games travelled a lot um, recently, so we've been down to Sandy Park, say we've been up to Doncaster. Coming back into London and they're probably where the, the, the fans started. Because like you say, that used to be our home back in the day. Yeah. I mean, I do hope people get their tickets because I can't reveal how many, but plenty have been sold and you just don't want to miss out on an England versus Wales fixture. Um, thank you, Katie, for chatting with me on your recovery day. Sorry to pull you out of that. I mean, hard life for you, pulling you out of yoga. Um, <laughs> our times have changed. Um, no, but it's been great having you back on the pod and I will see you at the Wales game, um, but enjoy your rest day and your 
time with your family and little Addy. Wicked. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm Lisa Burgess, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Now to this week's very special guest. It's a warm WRP welcome to the RFU's Head of Performance, Nikki Ponsford. Thank you so much for, for coming on the WRP. Uh, really, really Thanks good of on. you to, to spend the time. Um, for those of you who don't know, probably been living in a cave for however long, um, what, what is your exact role and what are your exact responsibilities? So my exact role is um, Head of Performance for the Women's Programme for the RFU, so England Rugby. Um, and that means I look after... The, or oversee the England programme and the pathway. So getting players from under-15s, CB programmes, county programmes, through to to the England programme. Wow, a, a huge remit, but um, a, a reasonably successful one uh, of late, which leads us nicely on to congratulations on, on three from three at the weekend, uh, uh, the, the, the victory at Doncaster. How is how's Donny for you? Uh, Doncaster was Doncaster was great. I mean, uh, as a change in the Scotland game, the weather was great. Uh, <laughs> a bit windy, but uh, you know, it, it was nice. Nice conditions. Um, pitch was great. Crowd was really good, um, and and we won the game. Uh, I think a good a good first forty, which was uh, which was positive. Um, and obviously, come away from those with a, a little bit more work to do. Yeah, and no, absolutely. But it's it's kind of tough, isn't it? Because the, the girls are professional now, and and you're playing a lot of the time against kind of amateurs, and and actually setting your own standards and trying to hit those self motivated standards is is much tougher than facing an opposition, as it were. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's I think it's it's always challenging to just to always focus on, on getting the best out of yourself um you know it, it's hard work to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing and that's what we're expecting of players um sometimes it's it's not always going to be quite where quite where we want it to be or, or to be honest quite where they want it to be um so yeah i mean i think it, the second half probably you know the, the girls recognised themselves probably wasn't where they they wanted it to be um and in some respects it was probably trying to play a bit too much Trying to, you know, put pull things off that that weren't necessarily on, and and not sticking to to doing the basics really well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you say it was a, it was a great occasion there. Obviously, round one down in Poe was was an unbelievable occasion. Donny, amazing venue as it is, know it very well from from Championship and and obviously other women's games that uh, you've you've had up there. Um, you're now heading to the the Stoop. Over eight thousand, we are hearing, uh, have been sold. There, I mean, there has been quite a bit of chatter, not only from from my work wife, um, uh, Berth, as well, saying that possibly Castle Park, um, the, the Red Rose, have possibly outgrown that. I mean, what, what are your feelings? Is it, is it sort of consolidate where we are, moving the game around geographically, or or do you think it's the is the time to aim for for the stoop type uh, capacities? I mean, I think there's there's a couple of bits in this and it it's never a really it's never a really simple answer nope. i mean i think it was really important to sell out yeah. you know selling out creates a demand um you know that's actually whilst we've we've been there or thereabouts we haven't really sold um grounds out so um it was actually great to have a a sellout and you know 
if 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 you sell out once, you know, people go, oh, I missed out on some tickets there. Yep. Let, let's think about you know making sure I'm I'm in with a shout the next time round. So um, selling out selling out was really important. We, this is this is definitely a journey. You know, if if you look at where we were and you, you know you, you know sort of where we were to get three or four thousand at a, a ground, say two years ago. We were really delighted at that. Yeah, yeah. We, we're moving on and, and moving on significantly. So, you know, we are pushing on to, to bigger grounds. We're going to have to think about how we sell those grounds out um, to, to sort of maintain that demand for tickets. Because um, we think we've got a great product. <laughs> we want as many people to oh, come yeah, and see it absolutely. as possible. Um, but it is, it's definitely a, a strategy. You know, we want to keep taking the games around the country. Um, that's important to us, uh, but it, 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 you know we, we don't want to be playing now. I think in, in stadiums where we can't, we don't want to play in stadiums where we can't sell out or can't push towards getting a really good crowd. On the other hand, you know we have got aspirations to move that forward. Um, how and exactly when we do that, and, and when we move to those other stadiums, you know that's all part of a, a journey that we're going on at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Both done a, a, had a, a chat with uh, Katie Daly McLean uh, yesterday, and Katie was saying I much prefer to, to play in front of a, a full stadium rather than a big stadium with, with sort of empty empty sides of sides of the stadium. So yeah, I think that's the, certainly the, the the players' point of view, isn't it? If we look at the, the Six Nations as a whole, Nikki, um, old old uh, your old skipper Cass Spencer uh, with with her book out, uh, making a case for for. For the women's Six Nations, not following the men's schedule, um, talking about prize money and sponsorship, and, and possibly two divisions. Where are Spain? It, it, is it time for a, a, a radical makeover? Is it time to, to possibly move away from what the men are doing and see it as a as a separate product? I think. Um, I mean, I think one of the important things that that we always look at, certainly in the RFU, is what's right for the women's game. Um, we have to look at, at what's right rather than necessarily just, just following a model that, that the men's game has done. And, you know, you've seen that in terms of the way we've we've set up TP15s, the way we've set up central contracts. So how we progress Six Nations is, is definitely a, a conversation. It's definitely one of those things that we need to work out. We need to work out what is right. You know, does having... All the games on the same weekend mean that actually there's enough television slots for every game. Yeah, Does yeah. it mean that um, you know we're getting the biggest audiences that that we could? Uh, all of those are part of the a part of the equation. Um, that is the ongoing the ongoing piece of, of work. I think um, you know, and it, and it is about reflecting what's the right thing to do. Uh, I don't have an answer to that at the moment, um, but it's definitely part of the conversation. And, th- and those conversations are, are going on, obviously, with yourselves and, and all the heads of the other unions and Ivan, your, your brand crew to Six Nations. Th- those conversations are obviously ongoing, kind of as we speak. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, th- th- it's not just it's not just sort of you know, there's 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 always conversations about where Six Nations goes and and what's the best thing for the for the women's game and not just sort of from a women's committee's perspective but actually throughout the the, the six nations council and um 
and and it, it's a really important part of the the whole Six Nations brand, and, and and everybody's looking at what's the best thing to do to to move the game forward. Absolutely, um, you mentioned the, the the central contracts there. I mean, we, we, another weekend where you know, some two two fairly uh, one sided results. Um, in terms of the professionalism, which of course everybody in this country and um, and obviously the players themselves are absolutely delighted to be centrally contracted, but to to move the, the uh, we all have a, a responsibility, don't we, to, to grow the game as a whole. Is it a responsibility of the likes of England and France to to try and help the the lesser nations, as it were, in terms in terms of that money, or is it simply a case of well, do you know, we we we're, we're pushing things forward, we're we're putting the money. We're putting our money where our mouths are. It's up to you to to find that money to to, to invest in the 15s programs. Or is there stuff that that England and France can do to to pull on the likes of Wales and uh, and Italy and, and Scotland? I mean, I think I, I, the one thing I would say is that we're what we're trying to do is, is is set a direction that England and France are trying to probably show show the direction that the game can go. Um, I think if nobody sets the sets the standard or sets the direction it's very easy for for the game not to necessarily move forward as as we'd all like to see it move forward so you know i think that that bit first of all is important um and then i think there's lots of conversations going on i think yeah the second piece is there are lots of conversations going on with with other unions just in terms of how have we done something what's the messaging we've used um how could they how how could they talk about things in their union what what can we do to help them you know we've had lots of conversations with yeah other unions just about you know can we can we help develop players by working with other unions better at pathway level at at 18s or um 20s uh we've got lots of players playing in tp15s which is helping develop other other unions as well so I mean I think I feel you know it's really important that everybody else comes on the journey with us and it and it is a journey and there are going to be front runners in the journey for for a while and then somebody else is going to take over and they're going to be a front runner in 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 another part but you know at the moment we are we're there We're, we're kind of moving down the journey and I think you know I genuinely believe that Lots of the other unions are really trying to come on the journey now and and move move the game the game forward. Um, it's challenging in some unions, but you know I think there's lots of support in in a number of the unions to really drive that that forward. You only have to look at, for example, the last over the last two years, the number of autumn internationals that have been played, yeah, um, which has gone up exponentially from where we were three years ago. Um, and that's just a step to say, you know, unions are putting more money into 15s. They recognise the need for for playing extra fixtures to develop the standard of players. So, you know, there's, there's lots of things like that that are happening and moving everything forward. If we may just touch on the domestic game, I know your time is precious, um, but it's, it's in rude health as well as the, the national game, isn't it? The end of a, a three-year, that initial three-year agreement now... And just for those that, that, that didn't know, where are we now in, in terms of that cycle and looking forward to, to next season? So, um, the, we, yeah, as you say, we're coming to the end of the three-year cycle. It was agreed at the end of um, year two 
that we would um, run a tender process for uh, for year effectively year four, yeah. so 2021 season. Um, and the way that tender process has worked is that the through a, an audit process we've ranked the teams one to ten, and the top six teams have been invited to take part in the league for another three years and the bottom four um, are, have been invited to go through a tender process or a re-tender process uh, against some teams that are interested in, in coming into the league um, for the next for the next three years. So we'll end up with uh, 10 teams again at the end of the, the process but we're just going through that tender, re-tender process for the bottom four teams at the moment. And for, for those for those four slots, because because I guess the top six have all said yes, yes, thanks very much. We'll, we'll continue playing. They haven't haven't refused. Yeah. Um, do, do we do we know anything more about those 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 four slots? Who, who's applied? Can you give us any more information? Obviously, it's, you know, the likes of Sale, Exeter, Newcastle have have sort of thrown their boots into the ring, and then you look at the Championship side at West Park Leeds and and those play those kind of sides playing in in the playoffs at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I can't. Uh, one of the things I can't do is actually talk through the the pretender process and who's applied. Yep. Um, okay. I can say quite happily that the the four teams that uh, are currently in the league that didn't make the top six have um, have put their hat back in the ring to to be part of the the process again. They're really keen to be part of that. Um, and you know, I, I know a number of teams have, have said publicly that <laughs> they they want to be part of the process, but. Um, it's a. We want to make sure that the tender process is run. It's a very thorough process. It's being run by um, an independent chair. So you know, we've got a process to follow, and, and one of those is, is to, to be honest, not to discuss people's tenders, what they've put in, and, and who's put tenders in. So you know, we will get the results um, in early May. By the time we've been through the full process, uh, and and. And be able to to tell tell everybody where where that's fallen in terms of who those who those clubs are going to be. Well, you kind of kind of answered my my my, my next question. Quite a few people saying, "Well, oh, it's just the clubs that are affiliated to men's Premiership sides and, and, and what have you." Um, it, it, is it as simple as as that, Nikki? No, I mean, it, it, I, the, what I can say, you know, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the six, and then the six have been. Um, there's been a, a press release as to who those clubs are, so you know you, you, you can see from that that you know one of those teams is Loughborough. Yeah, absolutely. They're not affiliated to a men's team. Yeah. Gloucester Hartbury is primarily primarily Hartbury. I think you, yeah. you, you know how that how that program is actually run. Um, so we've we've got two essentially university sides taking part in in that. Um, Gloucester obviously support the Gloucester Harbury side but you know from a from a, from a sort of general operations process much of that is run is run through is run through Harbury so um you, you can see that you know they've been very successful and we're delighted that they're they're sort of in in the top six and, and going to be part of the the journey going forward um so we're absolutely not wedded to to men's um Men's Premiership, Premiership sides. It's definitely got to be again going back to what's right for the I, women's game. My first conversation. It's got to yeah. be what's right for us and yeah. what's right for the women's game. And we're looking at the the, 
the 10 teams that will deliver the best uh, performance environment for um, the players because, you know, it's about supporting the players as well as we can. Um, they may be premiership sides and they may not be. I think it's, I think that's the important thing to, to recognise. Yeah, so just finally, Nicky, your old chum, Jill Burns, who was, who was on the, on the, on the potter a few weeks ago, named you and her top three players to play with. I don't know if you, you heard that. So that was a great compliment from the great Jill Burns. Um, but her, her firewood, uh, side, to do, not a traditional rugby hotbed up there, but a, but a, a cub, you know, plenty of history there and plenty of players that have come through it. Should they, should they not, get through that 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 tending process how important are they and and where is their place in in english league rugby moving forward if they're outside of that top league so if i mean i think this is the for us again this is the really important piece you know we've invited them to retender because um it's really important that we we recognize that the contribution that that a teams like that have made over a significant period of time but also the con- contribution they've made over the last three years to help make that the the tp15 league um into what it is into what it is today and and their contribution obviously you know still through to, to the end of the season and you know and if it's beyond that brilliant you know we really we we really sort of are looking to 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 embrace the, those next four teams, but if they're, you know, if teams are not successful, um, we, we, we want those teams to to, st- to still exist and be a, a massive part of the the women's game. And um, we're looking that those teams go into the championship, um, where it's relevant for, for them to, to go into in terms of which area. Um, if they if they're unsuccessful um, and we want them to have a really sort of successful journey in, in the championship and continue to um, support the women's game and, and bring players into the game and develop their love of the game through through playing for some of those great clubs. Fantastic, Nikki. Um, look, we'll, we'll leave it there because uh, yeah, you, you're, you're a busy old lady. But look, th- thank you so much for your time today. Really, really appreciate it. It's fascinating to get your thoughts. I could talk talk for hours, but um, enjoy the rest of the Six Nations and perhaps. Um, sort of later in the season, post kind of May, when when the dust has settled on on the new uh, the new phase, as it were, we'll uh, we'll get you back on the pod. But for today, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you. I'm Rachel Malcolm, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Just before we wrap things up, we must say a big hello to all of our listeners from around the world, from Mexico to Chile to Australia. New Zealand, Canada, USA. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget our first ever live women's rugby pod, Thursday the 5th of March at the Cabbage Patch in Twickenham. Where else? Come down and join us. Things kick off about half past seven with live music. We've got some really special guests. We've announced Abby Scott already. Two more really special guests at least to come. Some great giveaways. So do join us. You can grab your tickets. Only £5 a pop eventbrite.co.uk don't forget to rate us subscribe get in touch with us let us know what's going on at your club we're at pod women's rugby that's at pod women's rugby must say a big thank you to raging bull fergus farrell thank you so much 
We've got some lovely branded women's rugby pod stash now. So thank you very, very much for that. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend dealing with Fergus for all your kit needs at Raging Bull. What a lovely, lovely chap. And we're also very, very proud to announce an ongoing partnership with Looseheads. You may have seen this charity that's helping raise awareness and raise money for mental health by selling their apparel. It's great apparel and it's a brilliant, brilliant cause. And we'll be hearing from a, a Looseheads representative in the next few weeks. But uh, yeah, very, very proud to announce that partnership. And they'd be kind enough to give us a discount code. So if you go to Looseheads, which is a Z at the end, not an S, and type in the code WRP, you will get 15% off your next purchase at Looseheads. That's L-O-O-S-E-H-E-A-D-Z.co.uk with the code WRP. Our thanks to our guest, Katie Daly-McLean, to Nikki Punsford. We'll be back next week when I go right inside the England camp for a day with the Red Roses, which should be great fun. And don't forget to log on to eventbrite.co.uk to pick up your tickets for our first ever live pod. And remember, whatever you're doing to support the women's game, wherever you are, keep it up.